I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. The weeks sure do fly by. Yes, it's another Best in the World with Richard Parr, where I have the pleasure of interviewing world champions, Olympic champions, world record holders and world number ones to find out what they do differently from the average Joe, from you and me, what they do to become the very best in their field. And I'm delighted to say that this week's guest is from the world of fencing, our first fencer on the show. It's Matteo Tagliariol. I had to practice that name before I spoke to Matteo, but he assures me that's how you say it. And it's a really fun chat with the Italian. He won gold at the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And we discuss all types of things, including why he doesn't have any role models, why he set his goals from an early age, and also why he collects owls. Yes, you heard me right, why he collects owls. It's a a fun chat with Matteo. He's he's really open and he's an interesting guy. And we get an insight into how he prepares for his major competitions, both from a mental perspective and also from a physical perspective perspective and I think one of the things which is really nice about this podcast is uh, very often I ask these world champions Olympic champions the moment when they won their medal the moment when they knew that they were the best in the world and very often you get quite a similar response of just relief or excitement but the way Matteo puts it is is really beautiful so listen out to that on today's podcast is is a fun chat with Matteo Tagliariol, the Italian fencing Olympic champion. All right, just before we get to that interview, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Sportuccino. It is my other breakfast show on Facebook Live, Periscope, and on YouTube. If you could do one thing, please like the Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash Sportuccino. We discuss all things related to sports, health, fitness, travel, you name it, we've got it. And we're live every single weekday morning from 8 GMT. So please go and like that Facebook page all right let's get to it let's get to my interview with the olympic fencing champion matteo tagliariol the best in the world podcast with richard parr matteo tagliariol welcome to the best in the world with richard parr an olympic gold medalist in fencing so great to have you on the show let's start from the very beginning matteo how did you first get into fencing Hi, thanks for welcoming me. Um, and, you know, I started fencing uh, when I was six. And uh, since I was three, I don't know, I was a bit strange because I had this like 
love for uh, blades like knives and swords so my mom started uh reading me stories about the musketeers and stuff like that so i was really into it and when i was six uh i made a mistake on on the tv because i was supposed to watch cartoon and and i switched to the wrong channel and there was a fencing competition and you know, I fell in love, and and fortunately, my my grandpa uh, knew the the coach of my hometown, which was Treviso. So the day after I started, and apparently I don't remember, but my my coach told my my parents that I was quite good. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, um, the only thing that I remember is that I always, you know, I started sports when I was two. Uh, because I was a bit of a mess of a kid, you know, I was like moving a lot. I think I had like an ADD or something like that. So I was like always uh, trying, you know, the only way to sleep for me was like being really, really tired. So I was doing like two or three sports at a time. And, and, but I was really, um, I'm a person that it's, uh, gets bored, bored really easily. So I tried ski i tried swimming i tried soccer basketball like everything from two to six and then my only love was fencing oh great which was your favorite musketeer uh d'artagnan the fourth one (laughs) (laughs) i remember growing up as a kid watching the the fourth musketeers but they were they were like dogs i think we called them the musca hounds (laughs) or something yeah, there was a lot of cartoons, yeah. <laughs> a lot of cartoons like that. Well, it, it looks like it, it was a fortunate changing of the TV channel there. Yeah, yeah, I always said that, you know, it was luck. It was luck. <laughs> so, when did you realize that you were very good at this sport? When did you realize that this is something you that you wanted to try and become an Olympic champion at? Well, quite early, because um, I'm also really competitive, so... Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be better than the others, uh, basically in everything. <laughs> uh, but since from six to nine or ten years old, I was, you know, willing to be the best of my fencing gym, which I was actually becoming slowly. Uh, then when I was ten, I realized I, I you know, looked at, at what was the maximum um, goal to reach and it was Olympics. So when I was 10, I said to my mom and dad, I said, Oh dad, mom, I want to win Olympics. And my, and my parents said, actually, yeah, okay. It's okay. But you know, there was like, they thought that I was kidding. <laughs> and I was actually, I mean, serious as a, as a 10 years old, but when I was 10, it was when my uh, dreams started growing inside of me and the actual moment when I started uh, working on that dream, it was when I was like 14. Mm. In, in, uh, on this podcast, we, we talk a lot about setting goals because that's a lot of what some of these Olympic and world champions do. Like they set six months goals, one year goal, long-term goals. In a weird way, when you said that at the age of 10, when you said to your parents, I want to become an Olympic champion... Because you had said it, did that almost force you to to work towards that goal because you said it out loud? Do you think it helped in a way? 
Yeah, I really believe in setting goals and I really believe in um, selling to yourself what you want to do. Like, I think that every human being can do whatever they want if they only really want it because I experienced it myself. Uh, I mean, I believe in talent, but I believe way more in work and in, in hard work and in you know, programming uh, what you have to do. Uh, when I was 10, actually, it was, you know, only on my mind and I was just kind of like dreaming about it. But I told you when I was 13, 14, I started working because it was the first moment where I started saying no at, at my life. I mean, and my life that it was not school or fencing, uh, in order to succeed. So I started, you know, not going to uh, movies with my friends or trips or I mean not all the time you know mm. I, I actually did but it was the first time when I started saying no when I started you know going running a little more or um, if you ask all of my friends they can all tell you that I was really focused since I was a kid you know they were kind of like not really impressed when I won Olympics because they were like you started thinking about it like 15 years ago <laughs> And, and I always told everyone, but I think mostly to myself, that I was going to win. Wow. That's, that's an amazing sense of belief. And during that time when you had now decided that you were really going to go for the Olympics, who were the people you looked up to? Who were the role models? Who were the, the people you try and learn from to, to try and reach that goal? Well, you know, this sounds a little maybe arrogant but um so since i was a kid i i mean i i never had a role model or i mean i had i i know that i can learn from everyone which is something that i still do mm. uh but i always try to pick something that i like from someone and try to see if i can fit it into myself but um i always to wanted to be a role model for other people but i thought that having a role model it was you know kind of like a, a limit, you know, because it was like, oh, this person is like a myth and a myth is something that you don't reach in my mm. mind. So I never uh, had a real myth, not in sports, not in life, but I always appreciate uh, when someone does something good or something helpful, which this someone can be, you know, Michael Jordan or can be my neighbor. Mm. You know, you can learn from everyone. My dad was always used to tell me since I was a kid, um, he was saying, I tried to translate from Italian, but he was saying something like, steal with your eyes, you know, like look and try to reproduce. Like from everyone can teach you something and there's nothing that you cannot do. Mm. And I really believe in this. Mm, amazing. So tell us about when you first actually got to the Olympics. How was that experience? <laughs> so the way that I, the way that I speak uh, about Olympics, it's uh, it's always the same. So I would say for me, Olympics it was like Disneyland. <laughs> like it's 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 the same feeling. You know, I'm a big fan of of uh, theme park, and actually, I'm a big fan of Disneyland. And so when I went, it's the same feeling that a kid, like a six, eight year eight years old kid, uh, feels when goes first goes to Disneyland and so Olympics gave me 
something, you know, I was, I was focused on winning for like 15 years. And when I went, when I arrived to Beijing, it was the first moment where I, I called my parents home and told them, I mean, I'm here for winning, but it, I don't care about winning anymore. Like mm-hmm. I'm happy being here. Because I never, you know, I always thought about winning, 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 winning. But then the moment I arrived there, I I felt, I think, the Olympic spirits. uh, And I just started smiling like every day. Like I was really happy just of being there because it's it's a place, you know, like there's a really positive energy and vibration there. And you can meet athletes and, you know, everyone is kind to you and, I mean, I've been to Beijing, which they were like, I think, one of the most amazing uh, for organization Olympics of like the past 50 years. I mean, that's what they told me. I don't know because (laughs) I haven't been to the previous one. But uh, everything was so, so great and so uh, positive that I think that you cannot be sad at the Olympics. Mm, Because of that, do you think it made you relax more? Did it... it almost take away a bit of the pressure yeah yeah definitely two things the first one is that i knew that i was perfectly prepared and you know before before leaving from olympic for olympics i was um tense but relaxed i mean tense because you know i was about to to you know have the chance of my life but i was really relaxed because i made like a big amount of work i think even a little more than what I was supposed to. And I knew that my body, my mind and everything could not do more than that. So I said, this is me. I cannot do more than this. And that made me relax a lot. But also, yeah, the the, the feeling of being there. In fact, the, the day of the competition, I, I can never forget. I think I was the only one. Uh, an Olympic competition of fencing is like, 50 people normally we are like 300 a competition but uh in olympics they're you know the best 50 like it's a really really hard competition even the first match is really hard Mm. uh and but 50 you can see everyone in the face it's not like 300 and trust me i was the only one who was smiling in the morning (laughs) Not, not after the competition but in the morning i was you know i i woke up and i saw my my roommate, because we have we were roommates, you know, he was like wild, but like normal, you know, like the day of Olympics, you're supposed to be like him, not like me. <laughs> <laughs> and but I was smiling, you know, like I was not going to do that. And I think that yeah, that made me not win, but starting with like one or two touches above the others. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. More from Matteo in just a moment, but I want to say that today's show is also brought to you by Audible. They are one of the leading suppliers of audiobooks in the world. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. I'm currently listening to Zlatan Ibrahimovic's autobiography. Really good listen there. And you know, you can listen to these books wherever you are. You know, you can be in the gym, you can be in the car, you can be in the bus, you can be walking to work, you can be absolutely anywhere, maybe just in your room chilling resting before another busy day because you can certainly learn from these audiobooks and you know what the kind people at audible are offering you a free trial of their service for 30 days and that includes a free download so i'd highly recommend you do it just for the free download perhaps you could get zlatan's book as well all you've got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best that will of course help our show so you'd be helping our show as well as helping yourself that code again is audibletrial.com forward slash best all right let's return to the conversation with Matteo Tagliariol the best in the world podcast with Richard Parr so you said you were pleased with how you prepared for the games Let's talk about your training days, particularly leading up to the Olympics. What would be a typical day in your life, Matteo? Well, uh, fencing, uh, it's a sport that you have to basically do every day. And every day means like five or six times a week. You have to work with your sword. Like you have to do technique every day. So I work like three hours at least a day on tactics or with sparrings and with my coach and we sometimes we look at videos before the match and then try to 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 work on you know particular um uh, things but and and normally this is on the afternoon and in the morning uh i do a part of strength like with weights and which is like depends on the periods of the year it goes from like four four times a week to two times a week when i'm close to a competition and also uh i work with a, a natural 
with my natural body weight and on like uh, <clears throat> speed on food. Like I think I work like every normal athlete, like a part <laughs> on physical and 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 the part um, on technique. And normally when I'm far from competition, uh, my work is uh, a little more on quantity and when i'm close to competition i work a little more on quality mm, okay. and <clears throat> yeah that's it and but i believe a lot on in other two things uh one is nutrition and the other one is mind i think actually is is in the wrong order like first mind and then nutrition mm. i think that with the correct state of mind um you can do more than you expect actually let's get into detail on both of those points let's talk about the mind first what is a good state of mind for you and, and how can you get there but the good state of mind it's um it's i always say it's um when i see like the green fields so my my idea is to like not think about like if you think too much during a competition you're slower than the others so i i have a mental coach since like i don't know like six seven years i don't know uh and so for sorry mateo for four six seven years or since you were six or seven no 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 uh, i i so I started working, I tried to work with some uh, mental coach even before Olympics. Okay. But um, I was a, a little r rough kid. You know, I was not really um, happy to um, make other people help me for mm. real. Like I was try. I knew that I had to work on my mind, uh, but I, I didn't find the right person. Then since 2011, actually, I started working with this mental coach um, and I, I saw the difference. I think I saw the difference also because I was a little um, older and a little bit experienced. And it was a moment that for me was not really good. And with working, knowing what to do with my mind uh, made the difference. Now I work uh, like once a week. I mean, depends on always depends on on needs. Like sometimes I work even four times a week. But yeah, so I really believe in the power of the mind. Before before Olympics, uh, I was trying to you know read, document myself, uh, doing it alone or reading like even books about psychology and stuff. I think it helped me a little bit, but. Uh, actual technique uh it's a little better like if you work with uh, a professionist you know i um the work with my mind helped me in the past years because you know i was i went into a really bad injury before london uh which leads uh has led to like a, a really dark moment in my life because you know i went from number four in the world at the time and a possible medal in London Olympics to basically three years of injury because first has been made a mistake, then I made a mistake because I wanted to come back earlier, then I had to do like two surgeries and I thought that I could not continue fencing anymore. So um, 
for me, it was like, it's like dying. And, and you know, uh, the work with my mind helped me uh, where my body could not. Mm. No, that's, that's amazing. And let's talk about the nutrition. What kind of things were you eating? So uh, I started, um, I mean, I, I come from a really fit family. My family is really uh, sporty and my mom particularly. So she always like controlled <laughs> our nutrition since, since I was a kid. Uh, but then as an athlete, I started uh, years ago with the zone diet. Okay. Uh, which at the time it was, you know, one of the best. And before Olympics, I did the zone. And after that, I tried other, uh, other diets, but I was not really into them. So then I went to a nutritionist and, and basically now I have a, a diet, which is like tailor-made on myself, which is similar to the zone, but with uh, some difference based on the periods of the year and, and the training and also, uh, yeah, it depends on how much do I train and, and I know what to eat. Hmm. For those who don't necessarily know what the zone diet is, Matteo, uh, could you so just tell us a little it, bit about it? Yeah. 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 To make it really simple, <laughs> um, I try to eat, um, fish and, and meat as like in, in every meal of a day, like it's like five, uh, it's like five meals a day, like three main and two snacks, which you have always have to uh, stay in um, a particular zone with your level of the, of the body, which you uh, achieve by eating 40% of carbs, 30% of um, fat and 30% of protein. Of course, the protein that you have to choose are like um, fish or meat, it's suggested, <laughs> and the carbs are mainly um, like vegetables and fruits and less pasta, bread, and, and, and sugars. And even the fats, it's better like if you eat nuts and olive oil than other kind of fats so it's like a quite simple you have to remember in the beginning you have to weigh your your food but then after a while you just look and you know how much you have to eat and you actually eat a lot which is the reason why i started doing that because i was you know i never been fat i always wanted a, a diet like a control uh, way of eating that helped me through my training because uh, otherwise I was eating a lot, but I was always feeling tired. Mm. After the zone, basically I was eating more and I was not feeling tired, so it was working. Oh, that's great. Were there any foods you missed? You really wish you could have been eating but weren't eating? So the, the thing that was really strange, it was that I never been a great fan of cakes or sweets. Uh, but I started becoming with the zone. So, you know, you always have a free meal a week, basically. And in that free meal, I was eating like normal because I was actually enjoying the diet. So I was not missing anything. 
the only thing that I was missing was like chocolate and so in my in my free day I was like actually eating these cakes or or pancakes or stuff like that which is strange because I was not really eating before I started the diet it's, I think it's something changes inside of me and I wanted to eat chocolate <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about a typical uh, match day, a typical day of when you're competing. What would that be like? Did you have any rituals or any st- superstitions that you do before competing? So I had to cut superstition because it was starting to become too much. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a kid, when I was a kid, um, I was really believing that if I was fencing with the same pair of socks or doing the same things every day, uh, I was going to win. And the problem is that mostly when I was a kid, I was constantly winning. So my superstition were growing and I was never cutting my hair till I was winning. And I was never, you know, I was always doing a lot of this stuff and I was really believing in that. Then one day, I think growing up, I, I realized that superstition sometimes are good, sometimes are bad. So I tried to cut. It was really hard for me because, you know, um, I mean, it was stupid at the same time because I, I believe that I'm not, that, that I'm good enough not to have superstition. But at the same time, I was doing that for, for long. Uh, now, I don't. I don't have a. Um, I don't have a real superstition. I believe a lot in in here and now. Like I try to realize what's happening at the moment and find solution. So it's not a superstition, but it's more like a mantra. Like I, I'm. I repeat myself like here and now, mm. and except for that, I have some rituals like. Uh, I have to, I don't know, like shave the day before the competition. I always take a bath. Like I have to arrive to the competition like really clean. I think that cleaning my body and my clothes is like, I think, cleaning my mind. Hmm. And so I always do that before and I need to stay calm before the competition. And then I normally wake up like two hours before starting fencing and have a breakfast that uh, depends on where I am. But, you know, I try to, to eat a little more because during competition, I, I, I eat, but you cannot eat a lot because also, I mean, I normally I would not eat because tension doesn't make me eat. Oh, wow. But but I do <laughs> because I have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I eat like gels and 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 I drink. Uh, but but I I don't really eat solid during competition or I just have some bites or on biscuits or stuff because um, I don't feel tension. But I realize that I'm really tense because normally I'm a person that is like hungry all day. So. <laughs> And during competition, I'm not. Um, and I have, yeah, I have a little owl. I have a little owl that uh, my grandma gave me, like when I was a kid. And the owl travels with me. I mean, it's a fake owl, of course. I was, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, 
I've I've seen falcons on on planes <laughs> from the Middle East, but I, I've never seen an Italian fencer no. sat on a plane with an owl before. No, I collect owl. I collect owls because uh, I don't know why. Because they told me that they take away, they take, they they help you with bad. They take bad things far from you. I don't know. It's like oh, a wow. tradition. So how many have you uh, got? Oh, I really don't know. More than a hundred for sure, because everyone knows now, and they gave me like they or I buy them when I travel, or I have a lot, but only one travels with me. It's really small. Oh, <laughs> and other than that one, what what's what's the favorite one you've been able to buy or pick up from somewhere in the world? <sighs> Thinking, you know, I don't, I I don't really have. I mean, I no, actually, yeah, I have one that I bought in Poland, which is really big, and it's made of wood. Actually, my dad gave me. Oh. My dad gave me in 2001, the day before. <laughs> so I went to this uh, junior world championship, and the individual competition went quite bad. <laughs> and, and there was still the team competition. And my dad saw, he came there, and he saw that I was uh, really sad. And he went to, uh, I don't know, the town center. And he came back with like this really big owl. Like, because he, he said to me, you had really bad luck, so I could not buy you a small one. So I, I bought, I bought, I, um, I'm giving you this one that is really big. And then we won the, the world championship. So. <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways, that was a lucky owl, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my dad, which is really superstitious, he started buying me owls for like a long time the day before the competition because the problem is my dad, he is really superstitious a lot. He, he, he says that it's not, but he is. <laughs> <laughs> and Italian. Let's, let's go back to, to 2008 then. Let's talk about the moment when you won the final, when you became the Olympic gold medalist. Do you remember it well at all? And, and do you remember how exactly you felt? Yeah, yeah, I do remember. I mean, I realized, I think, like six months after. But I remember, uh, so I won 59 my final, but it was like really, really fast because... I knew that my my opponent, uh, he was supposed to win. You know, like everyone thought that the final was between me and him because I won uh, like three competitions of World Cup during that year and he was uh, actually really strong. And uh, even if he was not the, the more winning of, of the year, everyone thought that... Um, he was was going to win. Uh, I started really well, and 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 then I knew that I had to like go as much as as fast as I can because I wanted like to to. I didn't want him to breathe. I really want wanted to finish as fast as I can because I knew that I was really prepared, and I and I and I tried to to, <clears throat> you know, surf the moment. And so I remember the, the the two hits before the two hits before the end. I thought like I won mm -hmm. because I knew that I was going to win. 
And, but it just crossed my mind. And then another voice said like, no, 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 keep going. You know, you never know, like keep going. So then I'm, I, I hit, uh, I hit him two times and I won the moment I won. So before, before I was like seeing like everything was really fast, like, you know, like lights and, and people screaming and my opponent. And it was like, like a circus in my mind. And the moment I made the last touch, like I felt like I was alone in the, in, 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 in that place, you know, like there was, I don't know how, much, how many people, but a lot, mostly for a fencing competition. And I started like, it's like everything was shutting down like lights and you know i started i was going to to explode and i actually imploded wow. and and i fell but in a, in a positive way you know like not not it was not a bad feeling at all but i felt like i was under the water wow and it, yeah yeah it was really strange and it it lasted for you know like 40 seconds, a minute, but it was a lot, you know, like of that feeling. And then at a certain point, I started screaming, you know, we normally scream after for tension and stuff. And, but still, even so, when I started screaming, I came back from that place where I was. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, but still, I didn't really realize what I've done uh, for about, I think, six months. So I came back at and I went on vacation with with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And she was complaining because I was, like, sleeping all day and all night. Like, I, I slept for, like, a week. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, like, it was something that it was so great and so wonderful. And, you know, 15 years of work in my mind to, to achieve that moment that after that like i started a new chapter of my life but i had to uh realize that so it took me a while mm. and then you mentioned the the disappointment of being injured before the the 2012 london olympics you, you couldn't defend your title there what are your goals right now Matteo? yeah yeah you know i i was I could not tell you that I was going to win, but I really thought that I was going to win a medal in that Olympics. So that, that's why I was really disappointed because my season was going really well. Uh, my goals, my goals now, it's you know, it's to 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 go to Tokyo and win again because I I it took me a while to decide if I wanted to continue or not. I mean, I'm 34. Fencing sometimes now they go they go on till 40. Uh, I just did 34 in January, and and I want to, you know, when if, if everything goes well, uh, I will be 37 in Tokyo. And this year, the one that arrived second, it was like 39 or 40 years old, something like that. So I I spent almost three years going back and forth from injury, but I didn't really work too much. So my body is still young and I'm in a really good shape. And, and this year I started really well and I just won, uh, 
with my team the basically the champion the champions league of of, of fencing oh, and i did some italian competition really good uh i did two world cup that are going good but i didn't have results but now i'm going to vancouver uh next week uh for uh, the the world cup of fencing and i hope hopefully i want to go on the podiums but my goals are to go to the world championship this year so have this comeback and i want to go back to the you know national team and started competing at high level and and my long-term goal is to win olympics again because i saw and in history of of uh, epe which is the the weapon i do um only one person won olympics twice and it's like in 1929 or something like that so i want to at least be like that person my original goal was to win three times but <laughs> i don't know i'm gonna think about it after <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that would that would be 41 but i guess it all goes back to what you were saying uh, mateo about not having role models and, and i guess it's it's breaking what people have done before so if you win that third and you win it at 41 you're doing something that no one's done before so i certainly yeah, wouldn't that, put it past that's you that's what i always wanted to do you know i always wanted to be the only one unfortunately because of injury and stuff uh I haven't been yet, but you know, you know what I've seen. I, I see that you know, still there's a lot of people in fencing that takes me as a role model for my style, for also my training, for the fact that I'm a really hard worker. And they saw that what you know, when I was a kid, that I was a little, you know, maybe cocky, a little arrogant. Uh, and but now they saw that what I was just telling everyone what I was going to do and now they 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 take me as a as a model as a role model but mostly and that's what makes me more happy is um when they take me as a role model for for the way I train and for the 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 how can I say for how how professional I am in what I do mm. which is not being, uh, you know, make some jokes when I'm fencing, which is something that I still like to do, you know, like I do some minds game sometimes with my opponent because, you know, we actually fight. It's similar to, to box. It's similar to, you know, you, you see your opponent in the face. It's not a battle against time. So I like to play a little bit, even with, with mind tricks, hmm. but Behind that, there's a lot of hard work, and and that's that's the heritage I want to leave. You know, like if you want to win, you have to work. It's not about talent, and it's not about anything else. It's just hard work and focus, and really believing. Like you can become whatever you believe. And I also think if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will believe in you. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. Matteo, it's been really good to talk to you today. Just before we go, could you tell us how we can continue to follow your journey on social media, please? Yeah, yeah. I I, I have a Facebook page, which is my name and my surname. So Matteo Tagliariol, official. It's really easy to find. It's the only one with the blue tick. 
<laughs> and then I have um, an Instagram account, which is uh, Mattoman, which is like Superman, but with M-A-T-T-O. Oh, great. <laughs> which means crazy, because my mom was calling me crazy when I was a kid. She was playing with my name. You know, my name is Matteo. She was taking away the E. And Matto in Italian means crazy. So... <laughs> I kept that nickname. Oh, good stuff. Well, it's been so good to talk to you today, Matteo. Thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for being the best in the world. Thanks for having me. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Lovely to have Matteo there as our first fencer on the best in the world with Richard Parr. And we've covered all different types of sports from hockey with John Potter and Ellen Hoog. We've had paddleboarding with Damien Ryder. We've had snooker with Stephen Hendry. We've had rugby with Chester Williams. Oh, we've had so many amazing guests. We've had lots of swimmers, in fact, Nathan Adrian. And that brings me to next week's guest. We've got the fantastic Stephanie Rice. You may remember she won three Olympic gold medals at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, the same Olympics that Matteo attended. And I have a fantastic chat with her. Really open, really good girl. And that will be next Wednesday on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. And to make sure you never miss an episode, please go to iTunes and press that subscribe button so it automatically downloads every Wednesday so you don't even have to to think about it you just turn your phone on and you listen and learn from the very best in the world also if you get a moment while you're there please give us a rating and review that would really help our show all right i've been richard parr you've been listening to Matteo tagliariol and i'll be back with you next wednesday goodbye for now the best in the world podcast with richard parr Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.